Hello, this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking to Jason and Ron of Gate Wizards Bluff. Uh, we just want to ask you a few questions about your gamer history, so take it away, Ron. Sure. Yeah, um, my name is Ron Smith. Um, my brother here is with me, and the two of us are the creators of the game Wizards Bluff. Um, I'm the older of the two. In fact, uh, I'm the oldest of eight boys, so there's actually six other brothers besides the two of us. And we came from basically a family of gamers. The fact that we've had a lot of you know, kids in the family meant that the parents weren't always around. So I was always kind of the, the third parent that uh, was responsible for coming up with games and entertaining the kids. So it just became kind of a natural talent for me. And uh, we got a lot, of, a lot of stories, you know, a lot of fun times. So I'm sure a lot, oh, of, people could, a lot of people could recognize and uh, relate to that. Yeah, and, that's amazing. And for myself, this is Jason. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having us on uh, your your podcast here. Uh, for for me, my start came like a lot of uh, gamers, where we were introduced to Monopoly. We had checkers and 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 chess and all sorts of things. And Ron was always the one that I would always play with on those type of games. And he was always better than I was. Right? <laughs> um, he always beat me. And, yeah. and so I was, I, I went on a quest essentially to find a game that I could beat him in. And so in that quest, um, I was introduced to a lot more games, uh, up at college with my wife. Um, we were introduced to uh, a friend that was in our same apartment complex and they invited us over for some games. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what, what is it going to be like Monopoly? I mean, those kind of things. And the first game that they introduced me was Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah. And I mean, that was a, that was a big eye opener of what games can be. I mean, Ron and I have always come, come up with these games to kind of entertain not only our brothers, but also our cousins and all our close friends. But here was a, here was a, a, a new game to me that was something that we've always kind of dreamed of. I mean, we've always done like RPG games and, and Ron could probably tell you a little bit more uh, about his, his, his creation called Elf that he did back when we were, you know, teenagers uh, in, in our um, house back in, in Hanford, California. But um, that Settlers of Catan and those, those friends kind of introduced that and, and kind of broke that, that paradigm for me of what gaming can be. And so from that, I, I started to collect my own games, started to, uh, to get um, a bigger and bigger shelf of games. You know, games weren't just things that I would put into someone, some closet like we had back as, as kids, you know, where all the, the, the mismatched uh, games uh, of Candyland and, and all sorts of other <laughs> dumb things that would just fall out of the shelf when, when you'd open the closet door. Yeah. Now, for me, games are something that I display. You know, they're, they're out in the public uh, where, where people can see them. When, they come, when people come over, they're conversation starters. Hey, what are all those games? And that's really what, I mean, I, I'm so fascinated of where the gaming community has come to. And, and really, I, it really drives a personal mission for me to, to, to explore all that there is there. Wow. Yeah. You know, I sort of have the same background, but I'm the youngest of nine. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, and I'm I'm a little bit older than you guys. So, Citizen of Catan was way late in my life, but <laughs> but I remember being a little kid trying to keep up with my siblings who were playing poker, Monopoly, and later on Axis and Allies and stuff like that. So, I I come from the younger view of that big family deal. I didn't play board games till much later. I remember one of my friends was going, "Oh, you gotta play this board game." 
Sellers of Catan. I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. And I saw them playing, and it looked so boring. Uh, they're just <laughs> sitting there, they're just sitting there looking at this board, and every once in a while they put a piece down. I'm like, wow, this is really stupid. But <laughs> it, it took me like five years to play, and then I'm like, wow, you know, it really is eye opening or game changing. You know, playing games yeah. like that compared to Monopoly, where you're just rolling dice and you really don't have a lot of choices so i can understand right. your your fascination with the board games that that really are different than what we remember as kids i consider settlers of Catan and ticket to ride gateway games to real gaming i mean <laughs> chess and stuff mm -hmm. is all cool but these are like you know pretty cool so you, you say you display them in your living room or in your book, like bookcases? Yeah, so I have them out in my living room on a shelf, and it, it's a pretty open shelf, so it's not one of those uh, those IKEA shelves that everyone always has. What is it, the, <laughs> the, the, the Calyx, uh, I Calyx, think, is what everyone yeah. always gets. Yeah, it, it's more open, so you can see it almost in the round. And yeah, I, I love to display them. I love them. <laughs> Saul so would do that, but he has too many role-playing game books and the bookshelves in the living room. Oh, yes. 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 I'm, I'm looking for the perfect role-playing game still. <laughs> so you guys played, you know, regular Milton Bradley games when you guys were younger then, like Monopoly, Careers, and all kinds of weird things like that, right? Yeah, we dabbled in it a little bit. You know, we'd be going over to our cousin's house and they'd break out monopoly or, or some card games or an in, impartial game where you had to kind of figure it out my right. my my first game i bought i remember i was 12 years old and i still have it to this day i have every single piece of it because i kept good, such good care of it and that was a stratego, wow. stratego. Oh, yeah. back when the general was number one and not <laughs> not reversed like it is now Field it, that's right general's number two. Oh, is it okay yeah. Yeah. okay it's been a while since i played yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. That was a you know a strategy game and and a little bit easier than chess and kind of be sneaky. Yeah, I, I grew up yep. with that one too. You guys are from California. We are. Uh, Ron and I grew up in the Central Valley of California, so just um, south of Fresno, about an hour south of Fresno, in a town called Hanford. Hanford isn't isn't I hate to say you know isn't uh, uh, there's a board game publisher that gmt is from hanford right have you ever GMT? heard of gmt yes that's uh oh i'm thinking of uh, mint, uh tasty minstrel games gmt no no with... gmt they make like really heavy war game war game but but with a little bit easier like uh co commanding colors that's a gmt game they're pretty heavy duty so i could be wrong about no, where no. they're from no the reason i know that they're from hanford because they have like a... <laughs> the reason that i know i don't i know something about the central valley so the reason I know they're from Hanford because they have a like a garage or warehouse day where they allow people to come and uh -huh. play and they set up tables and then they sell games from their warehouse at a at a substantial discount. <laughs> I grew up in Chico, Red Bluff, and Corning. A little um, bit higher, oh, just yeah. a little bit north up, there, yeah. Up the road, yeah. yeah. So for the GM, GMT games, yeah, and when I, you I, crack them open for the first time, is it like? There's a little bit of egg smell that comes from it. You know, like for the, if you've ever been to Hanford, you know, that the, like the, the water always smells like eggs. Yeah. They got some yeah, bad, they got some bad right? welts. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 Yeah. You go into the shower to, to stink. <laughs> yeah. So you guys don't live in Hanford no more, I guess. No, no, no. About 20 <laughs> years ago, uh, we, yeah, we moved out. 
We're up here in uh, Idaho, so we actually live within about 20 minutes of each other. I'm I'm at the Capitol at Boise, and my brother Jason's okay. in Meridian. So how was how was that in your gaming life? I mean, it was 20 years ago, but did that change your uh, the way you, you know you had no friends up there, right? Or was it a different group <laughs> of people? You know, it it did take a while to kind of uh, find your your gaming groups. Um, right. My brothers always seemed to latch on to gamers. Gamers kind of came to them. They had that aura, you know, that attracted <laughs> attracted gamers. I don't know what it was, but but sure enough, on a Saturday, they would have gamers wandering into their house now and then. And, uh, and, and the funniest thing was, <laughs> you think so, huh? The, uh, the funny thing, the, the story here is that uh, they ordered some pizza. And since we're the older brothers, we didn't want to share the pizza with the younger brothers. While we're busy gaming in a room with the door closed, but lo and behold, the <laughs> the pizza smell had made it underneath the door. We even tried to jam, try to jam some towels under, but the younger brothers came a sniffing, and they like put their noses down by the crack, and they're like, "I know you guys got pizza in there. I know you guys got pizza in oh there." My God. Did you tell how we actually like lifted it up into the second story window just to get it to the bedroom? Oh yeah, it didn't go through the. Yeah. yeah, meet us in the meet us in the second window next to the door. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's what it says on the receipt, kind of thing. Yeah, but we we were at, at our heart, we were definitely RPG gamers. Like you know, back when RPGing was really taking off, you could have stacked up my brother's uh, RPG books probably maybe five feet high. They had Palladium, they had Robotech. I mean, they had Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles. A lot of those books from the '90s and stuff. And yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> you know, and you asked Saul, so, uh, like, moving up here, did it kind of change our gaming? I, I remember as a kid, because uh, we had gone to our, our grandma's house where a lot of our cousins would play. And in my grandma's house, it was forbidden to play D&D, right? Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. So we, we, would, we had to go from a, to a different venue. And that's why we went to uh, Palladium Books. And because it wasn't... Dungeons and Dragons, right? Quote, oh, yeah. unquote. Exactly. And so our, our first introduction to a lot of RPGs was actually uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When we, we moved up to Idaho, we were looking for, you know, like a comic book store where we could buy these things. And I remember uh, just searching around in our, our little t- town uh, of Mountain Home, and there really wasn't anything. There was this one bookstore. And I remember going in with my brother, Craig, who's the brother between us. We were asking them about, uh, hey, do you have trans-dimensional Ninja Turtles? And the, the, the lady just looks at me really like, what the heck are you guys talking about? And she types in this, this the, the old the old time type of a computer that just has, you know, like the black screen and, and the, the green letters on it. DOS. She types out, the, yeah, the DOS thing, yeah. She types it out and sure enough, it's there and we had to order it in. So that was our, our first game that we ever bought by ourselves was was Transdimensional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Kevin Eastman and, and uh, Peter Laird's artwork right. and, and written by uh, Eric Wujakic. We really grabbed onto and I w- it was tragic when he... When we learned that he had died of, uh, I think it was pancreatic cancer. Just a a, a really good, uh, I wouldn't say a mentor, but some some somebody that we really looked up to um, in his writing, and we would try to follow as much as possible. So that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, roots that we have in, in RPG. In fact, even before that, uh, when we couldn't purchase books, we would create our own RPGs, and that's really where our love of of making new games really came from. Like I said, Ron um, had a game that he invented that we would play almost on every Saturday that he called Elf. Ron, you want to talk a little about what what Elf was all about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I went down and got a, got a big sheet metal piece and uh, bolted it to the wall, and, uh, <laughs> and and figured out that you could put magnets on this metal board, and and all the magnets for all the characters, and so we'd have big army battles, and then we'd put a piece of paper up and you know draw it out and stuff, and then the younger brothers wouldn't mess it up during the week. It all it all be high <laughs> and up and out of reach, and uh, and then my mom one day she brought me a copy of the Warhammer's White Dwarf. Oh yeah, I remember that. And to me, it was this golden book of like seeing these models. Cause we, I mean, we, from going from magnets and then seeing these, these model war, you know, terrain and stuff, it was just a, a total game changer for us. Yeah. No amazing. pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So did you get into Warhammer? You know, I, I bought a lot of the stuff. So Every, every Christmas, my parents would buy one family game, and they were wise enough to buy this big, giant $100 set. It was kind of like an introductory, introductory yeah, yeah, set yeah. for Warhammer. Right. And we had all the pieces and stuff. Yeah, and so we were playing a lot of that. Cool, cool. I never got into miniatures or Warhammer because it was I suck at painting and I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> None of ours were painted. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, paint yours? oh, no. Yeah. Gray Army versus Gray Army. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe primered them. I primered a few. That's cool. I mean, that that's interesting because, like you say, you come from a big family. You have people begging to play, and you know you have all these workarounds so they don't mess up your board. That's you. You mentioned your own RPG. Did you dabble in creating board games in this period, or is this later in life that you you go? I can, I can. We can make a game, a board game, or yeah, that, a card game. That's a great question. I would say the first time that the idea came across, like, hey, I could do something with this talent and make games out of it. I had an uncle who, he was an inventor, and he invented this rubber band gun, and it was sold, you know, in the thousands. And uh, when he was a little bit younger, he came up with this game that was a little bit three-dimensional. And essentially, if you could imagine the board being a hollow space where wooden blocks were slid around. And on the top of this board was kind of a Monopoly style uh, you know, track. And in the middle were a bunch of holes that represented a bunch of possible oil holes that you could put this little oil derrick and drill down. <laughs> and this derrick had just a nail on it. And when the nail would go down, it would either hit a block of wood or it would come up as empty. And so right. you, would, you would purchase these pieces of land and uh, he might have copied it from something, but it inspired me because my mom was telling me about it. And so I went ahead and built myself a model of it. Yeah. And so I was really proud of that. I was probably like 13 or 14. And when you're starting to wow. work with, with wood and, and paper mache and those type of things, it, it really inspires you to say, hey, you know what? If I could do this, I could, I could do even more. So anybody that's out there that, that would like to design something, getting to that prototypes step and then playing it for the first time in front of f- friends and family is is literally like a, an inspiring step in, in your progress. So, I mean, definitely hope people pursue their goals like that. That's pretty cool. 13, that's pretty young. I, I thought you were going to say when you were 21 or something. Here you are. <laughs> <laughs> a, freaking, a freaking kid, you know, coming up with, you know, I'm going to work this wood here and make a table and stuff. That's amazing. That That's really interesting because, you know, when, when I was thinking of the question, I thought you were going to say, yeah, when I was, you know, 18. But that 13 is pretty young to be, you know, thinking about design and, and what works and what doesn't work. Cool. I guess you're going to kickstart it pretty soon. Uh, Wizard's Bluff, right? Yeah, Wizard's Bluff is coming out October 15th uh, that we'll be launching it onto Kickstarter. Wizard's Bluff was an idea that Ron had come up with uh, years and years ago. 
that initially started out as a card game that he called 13. And it was a game that he wanted to, to come up with where lots of people could play, almost like a game of war, but instead of just two people playing, that you have a bunch of people around the table being able to play. I had always wanted to create a game with Ron, and I, I didn't know which one it was that I was going to use. There was a lot of games that he had had, and I was I was kind of thinking over all these games. But, but the, the biggest problem was I had to create something that was marketable, right? Not just any game. It had to have some type of theme to it and so forth. And we're in my family, we're pretty big in, into uh, dreams and, and having, how dreams can can guide us. And I was I was sitting in bed one day, and I go to I was thinking about those things, and I fall asleep. And in my dream, the old movie uh, Disney movie of uh, Sword in the Stone comes to my mind. And it was it, that was one of our favorite uh, um, movies as a kid. I remember the 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 segment on Sword in the Stone where Madman and Men challenges Merlin to a, a wizard's duel. Right. And in this wizard's duel, they're transforming into these different animals. And I thought, oh my goodness, that could be the actual premise of this game because it, it it had a bunch of cards that were different ranks. And I remember how in the movie there were some animals that were weaker than others, and right. and that there was always one animal animal that was stronger than than the other. Wizard would turn into that a, a stronger animal until eventually there was this big uh, dragon, and it was overcome by a the germs that that Merlin t- transformed into, and. I, I, the very next day I call up Ron and I said, Hey Ron, I got the best idea. And a lot of times Ron will, will talk my ideas down, but this time he didn't, <laughs> this time he didn't, he, he's, he's like, well, well, how are you going to make that? You know? And, and so we started to talk about it and I had to do, there was a lot of research that I had to go into just making the game itself, knowing manufacturer wise, Ron was, uh, um, really, uh, was able to search those out, learning from Jamie Stegmeyer's uh, blog and, uh, um, James Matthew, um, rest his soul. He, he had passed away just, just a few months ago, but trying to find these, those mentors that would, would be able to help us to get our game to where it was, to where it is now. And, and then going through the grueling process of, of, uh, of playtesting. I just didn't yeah. realize how much really goes into a game, but it's been very satisfying taking it to, to conventions. And, you know, to be honest, all I mean, every single time I, we look at our, the game, you just think, well, it's just a game that we came up with. That's, you know, that's, it's just a game. But when we introduce it to new people, how excited they get really invigorates me about, you know, what to do about this game. Uh, and so it always pushes us forward when we were able to go to these new conventions and, and meet great people that uh, are just really excited about this game. Cool. We've been to SaltCon down in uh, in, in Ogden. We've been to uh, GengisCon over in Denver, RinCon down in Tucson, Arizona, the Gem State uh, Gaming Convention, which is here in, in Boise. Uh, we've been to KublaCon with you guys, uh, which are one of our best uh, conventions. We also been to GameStorm over in Portland, and finally uh, our last one was was at the big one, the big one, the Gen Con over in Indiana. Oh, cool! Wow, how was that? That had to be crazy, Gen Con. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that Gen Con, you could pretty much forego thinking about sleep. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, have you been to Gen Con before? That this was our first one. That was wow. our first. Yeah, that was our first, and the first shocker was when our plane arrived late. Uh, we got to the airport, got our bags, 2.30 in the morning. We got picked up by the car, 
And they unfortunately said, guys, we are just down there. The line is three hours long. Oh, <laughs> I like to pick up your tickets. <laughs> yes. I, I, you hear horror stories and stuff like that. They say, I guess they can, they can mail you the ticket, but they charge you like 10 extra bucks or whatever. <laughs> and everybody says, have them mail you your tickets because yep. standing in line is ridiculous. Yep. And I think that's a short line, the three hours. Saul keeps saying he wants to go to that convention, but I'm like, there's way too many people. Yeah. I don't think I can handle it. Let me let me tell you the secret. So at 2.30 in the morning, I said, Jason, uh-uh, we're not doing it. We're going to go home, get our two hours of sleep, and we're going to beat the gamers by waking up early. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got there at 7.30. It was a 15-minute line. Got really? right in front. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's the secret. Yeah, yeah, because they're too tired. Well, what day did you guys arrive? It was on a Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so we went Thursday morning at 7.30, was it, Ron? 8 o'clock, around there. Yeah. We beat we beat those lines just because <laughs> That's I mean, great. And Ron's, Ron's logic was completely sound. I mean, <laughs> gamers typically want to stay up really late, and then yeah. they have they sleep in, and so they're, they arrive around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Yeah. And that's when the yeah. biggest lines are. Yeah, they're not known for their early risers. Unless it's exactly. Yeah. Yep. Salt doesn't have that problem. I wake up at five every day and wake him up. <laughs> Let's go. Nice. Yeah, real nice. <laughs> go to sleep at one o'clock in the morning. You know, that, that quite of a trek going from like an idea that you have or a dream even using your brother's ideas as like, you know, gameplay or whatever. How long did it take for you from that idea, your dream to to where you're taking this game to different conventions? And was that only in this last year that you were taking games to that game to conventions? Um, actually, no. When we first put the game together, we'll call it version 1.0. Right. And uh, the first place we went was the biggest game con near us, which was Salt Lake in Ogden there, the Salt Con. Okay. And we were given bad information in the sense that someone told us, hey, every game con I've been at, they were ready to launch right then. They were already live on Kickstarter. So we were thinking, oh, gosh, we got to get on this and, and launch right away. So our version 1.0 hadn't been flushed out yet. And so we got in there, we, you know, we, we had our wizard hats on. If anybody had seen our setup, it has a, an old in looking sign, like an old wooden sign that says Wizard's Bluff. And uh, in that particular sign was my kitchen table. I had cut up our kitchen table <laughs> in haste. I was like, we got to make a sign. It looks so cool. And, you know, and so went, and so went the kitchen table. Wow. And we, we traveled down to Salt Lake, set up and try to launch everything and just did everything really quick. And we, we learned really quick, like Jason was saying, you know, we get a lot of, we, we, we got a lot of feedback from people. Yeah. And as we got feedback, we're like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea too. And our game started to develop a, a 2.0 version, which on the spot, we began to test new ideas and get wow. the feedback from people. And we realized, wow, this really needs another year of development. And that's where we planned out the whole year of travel. Cool. And, the, and the version right now we have, People love it. It's absolutely great. I mean, it's got it's got an alchemist card. It's got gold coins. It's got the four elementals. Everything is just a beautiful, polished game, you know. Cool. And when when the president Kublikon came and saw us down there in uh, Denver for the first time, he sat down. He says, "Man, I love your guys' game." And he actually met us back in Salt Lake and then invited us to Kublikon and then he played again. So wow, well, you have gold coins, gems. Oh. Go Gold gem, gold nuggets, yeah, and they they glisten from about uh, five hundred feet away. Well, that does it. I have to have the game. <laughs> My friend Kathy is gonna love it. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you married, Ron? 
Because yeah. chopping chopping up the table probably didn't do good for your you know marital tranquility. <laughs> you would think. Goes, <laughs> did she say, uh, "Where's the table, honey?" As you're off in Austin. You're, oh yeah, you're well, I broke it. I'm gonna buy you a new one soon. Yeah, yeah. No, you're a wise man, Saul. That's a great question. Um, I, I have had a history of uh, sacrificing our house. <laughs> to my, to my chairs project. and stuff go missing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ron's at it again, huh? Oh yeah, and and my wife just is amazed sometimes because I'll produce better things out of it. So I'm like, oh. I've got a good track record. Yeah. Okay, okay. Do your spouses play games? They do to an extent. They they help us get together with our brothers so that we could <laughs> spend time and be happy. I mean, don't you like to see the spouse happy when they come back? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I, I, I try to put um, certain games into my collection that my wife, Brittany, would like. Like, for right. instance, I just picked up, uh, and we were just playing it uh, last night, Azul, right? Oh, um, yes. Excellent which, uh, game. Which just won uh, Spiel de Jar in, was it 2018? I think so, yeah. And and I picked it up from, uh, I think, like 19 bucks, and which is a steal for that game. And yeah, so that was one of the games that I wanted to make sure that was in our collection that she could play, because it's... It's not, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a light, light game, but it definitely is kind of one of those, like, like Jolene was talking about, a gateway game. Yeah. And in, in fact, Wizards Bluff itself, we've designed around being a gateway game, something that could introduce people into. It feels, well, Ron doesn't like to use that word, but uh, it does. It, it feels kind of like a classic card game that you're, you're playing, something that, uh, you know, my, our grandma might have taught us, but yet <laughs> yeah. it has that modern feel to it as well. So those, it's a it's a great uh, balance between those those two arenas of, of thought of how gaming should be, and that's really good because it gives you that old style that everybody's used to, and then new ideas. Yeah, because it's kind of like familiar, but then you're all adding all kinds of different elements that you know change it from being like a standard you know card game that you, people used to play all the time. Right, right. right. And they still do. <laughs> and, and one of the things that a lot of people have commented on is that you could play the game light or you could play the game super heavy. So, I mean, if, if you got a group of friends that want to play, you know, three rounds of Wizards Bluff, you can really sit down and have, you know, a Wizards Poker style night. On the, wow. on the flip side, you can introduce the young kids to it because we actually have different versions that you could scale it down to. And so it's a game for everybody. It really is. And, you could, and we played it hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. Every game is fun and brand new every time we play it. So, I mean, highly recommend if you guys haven't heard of Wizards Bluff, definitely go on to the, our website, Wizards with the Z, with two Zs, bluff.com. Check out our video and, you know, get, get ready for the, the uh, Kickstarter on October 15th. Cool. Yeah. A Kickstarter is not easy, you know, and this is something that uh, being brothers, uh, we, we sometimes get, you know, bump heads about ideas. Kickstarter. No, no. Oh, right, right. You, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. For Kickstarter, it has a different way of marketing. It's not like a traditional marketing because it is this, you're trying to please a certain crowd. And and not only that, the crowd that's on Kickstarter is not a great representation of all the people out there, right? It's it's a very, they're collectors, you know? People that get onto Kickstarter and back games are usually like collectors of games. And so they're looking for specific type of things. So Trying to balance that is a is a is a, is a challenge. But then, 
just knowing, like for the first time, we had launched pre- previously on Kickstarter, like Ron had been talking about, right after we went to, to SaltCon uh, our first year. And it was unsuccessful. And the reason for that is because we didn't have a crowd big enough uh, to launch this to. Right. And so our biggest uh, number one thing that we've, we've tried to do this, this year was build that crowd, please them with their things and listen to them, grab their feedback, because they're the ones that are going to be creating this game. It's not just us. I mean, yeah, we're the ones that designed the game and came up with the idea, but man, they're the ones that are going to create the game. And I think that's so special. And that's what I really I love about Kickstarter is that, and I backed around 110 games so far. And oh, I, oh my God. I, I feel like I'm a piece of that development every single time I back one of those games. And that's really, and it's a, it's a little addicting. Um, is it 110? 110? Jolene, please listen to her. Listen no, no, I forbid Saul uh, to do any Kickstarters, but I might let up on for your guys. Oh, thank you. Because I like that. But like no, that. but seriously, you know, I have maybe back uh, maybe 20, 30 maybe at 20, least. And, you know, and you're right. You're, you, I, I like the, the big ones, you know, the ones that are already going to fund, you know, mm-hmm. that's cool and everything. But those small ones who, like, you know, you know, they need the money. You know that they uh, they need the money, right? You you back them and help them get their goal, or or they may not make it, right? Yeah, and and the one thing that we realized too is we don't have just one game that's ready to go. I mean, we have about twenty others that are in our heads and kind of jotting down notes here and there. So when when we support others who also probably have other games ready to go, that you're starting them off on starting their dream, and so they have a lot of potential that a lot of people could benefit from, you know, having all those games out there. Cause there's so yeah. many, there's so much stuff out there that uh, you really uh, should encourage people to pursue their, their goals. I mean, it's really, really nice thing to, it really to, is. It really is a, you know, it is making dreams come true for certain people. Exactly. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause otherwise you would have to go through some publishing route, right. You know, maybe some publisher who makes board games, what Milton Bradley has, you know, Hasbro now, you know, and you're looking, mm-hmm. you know, they see hundreds of thousands of games or whatever it is. And then you know, you just got to catch their eye. But, you know, while all that is gone with Kickstarter because you're just appealing directly to the people who are going to play your game. And right, I think right. that's pretty neat. You're not being filtered by, you know, some CEO behind a desk that yes. only gets one minute to look at your game. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and some maybe just a, a paragraph about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actual game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. You learned a lot and you kind of build like. Like the guy we were talking about before with the RPG, he he built like a following. He did, he used a mailing list and he yeah. built people. By you guys going to the, all these different conventions, you know, you get people talking about it, and then and that and that's how you get successful Kickstarter. I think is that the more people, you know, what do they call it, buzz or whatever you want to call it. But okay. like if you get a couple of those people who saw you at a convention talking about it, and they talk to their friends who are gamers, then you know it's this whole network of people, right, that you're trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, just last week, uh, we started putting the word out, getting the email out and everything. And uh, right away, my brother calls me and he says, hey, did you know the uh, the score, the rating that we're getting on Board Game Geek is an 8.7? I said, 8.7? And that's how, ma- how many reviewers? He's like 40-something reviewers already. And I was like, that's really, really good. I mean, because, I mean, I usually draw the line at 8.5. I won't even buy a game... <laughs> Unless it's like really good on board game geek, so wow, yeah, that's pretty critical. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh. that's pretty cool. No, that, and that's neat. That's the idea that you got forty people who care enough to make it to write a review. I mean, 
I've played, you know, hundreds of games. I, I don't think I've ever written a review of anything mm. on, on Game Board Geek. So, well, there's the challenge now, Saul. Yeah. <laughs> there's a challenge. Yeah, I go, I go on to Board Game Geek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, but I, I'll go check it out. I didn't know you guys were on Board Game Geek already. I, geek, I didn't know that they they did uh, games that hadn't been published yet. Kickstarter starts on October 15th. You want to say anything else about it? Anything at all? <laughs> <laughs> Did I stump you? Yeah, it took me off guard there. <laughs> I'll let Jason, uh, yeah, I'll let Jason kind of, yeah, we've said a lot about the game. Uh, tell, tell, us, actually tell us about tell, kind of the game itself. about the actual yeah. game. Yeah. Right. So right. In, in Wizard's Bluff, you are playing as a wizard that's able to transform into different animals. You have a selection, just like you would in a standard card game, of, of a hand. Uh, and this is always the same, which is which is really interesting uh, in this game is we all start with the same exact hand. So much like in chess, we all have the same potential to win. And the hand is essentially those animal transformations that you can transform into. Right. And you're playing these cards, you're going to play them face down, uh, which is, again, another unique thing. And it's it, it plays a lot like a trick-taking game, except for the fact that you're playing those face down. So there's a lot of limited information. But it's not completely limited because what we also have put into the game is this betting uh, aspect. And what you're doing is you're not actually betting on a player. You're betting on an animal tran- uh, transformation to win that, that, that hand. So, for okay. instance, we have uh, four types of stones that are, are related to the elements. So red fire, water, which is uh, blue, and white, that's uh, air, and then uh, green, which is earth. And they're tied to a certain uh, certain animals that are in everyone's hand. So, for instance, the Earth Greenstone is is tied to the the unicorn. So, whenever Jolene might be uh, playing a, a green stone, it's that she's betting that a unicorn, it could be yours, Saul, that wins that hand. It doesn't matter. Um, and so, if if she, her prediction is correct, she's going to get an elemental spell card which is later on going to be used as a, as a cool power, one-time use power, but also start a, a set collection. And, and so she's going to start collecting these sets, which are in turn going to increase the value of her spell stones in the end of the game. Because the, the, the whole potential, I mean, the whole uh, um, objective of this game is to collect spell stones and you, you win them by playing the highest card. Okay. And then collect them, keep them, and then increase their value. And so we have this, this, this really cool way of, of you, you can't just win one way. you gotta got to focus on two different things, two different objectives happening at the same time, which is, again, very unique in a card game. You don't really see that. But again, just because it is plays like a classic card game, easy to pick up, easy to pick right. up and learn. Cool. The cards have, a, have art on them. Did you guys do the art or did you guys find, you know, how did you guys go about finding an artist or... Do you have yeah. a talent, talent in the family? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jason found a, uh, an artist. He's an Eisner-nominated artist named Travis wow. Hansen. And he has a, a couple books out, uh, and he has a, a large following online, too. And so he did the cover art, and he also designed the character wizards. And, uh, you know, if everything goes great on Kickstarter, we'd like to have him go in and uh, also do the artwork on the cards themselves. Because as of right now, I did the artwork on the animals, trying to make them look like, an her- uh, like a heraldry, kind of like those tapestries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wanted that old look, you know, kind of yeah. like 
And so the cards have a, a parchment look to them and they have got that heraldry look and everybody's got their own set of colors. So it's really vibrant. It really looks good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. That's pretty cool. Do you have a, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, how does it ship? Is it, is, is it a box? Uh, is it, what does it look like? I think you. Yeah, yeah. So anybody that walked by our table when we were at one of these cons, right. they always commented on how, how good this game looks. Starting right. off with the box itself, we wanted to have that wizard book, spell book look. Okay. And, and so uh, we had some prototypes made with a magnetic magnetic uh, closing lid. So when you look at it, it looks like a, a book with gold gold leaf titles. And uh, and it's it's an old brown leather look, too. And, oh, so uh, that's actually going to be the box. I thought that was just, cool. you know, that's very like, cool. a, like a blinged out version of it or something. Oh no, that's oh, that's, that's what that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, that's oh, what we cool. like to deliver. So we that's aim to please, man. We aim yeah. to please. <laughs> we are crowd pleasers. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw it when you when I walked past your table at Kublicon and it looked really neat. I go, Oh, I wonder if that that's the way it's gonna ship with the with that you know, with that old tomb tome looking thing. And I go, That look that would be pretty neat. Right, and, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And uh and there's a there's a crystal ball that comes with it. It's about <laughs> I would say about two inches tall too. I mean, it's it's oh everything's everything's chunky. Everything feels good in the hand. So we've got these gems, you know, and they're just we've got sixty gems. So I mean, wow. everything. One one player said it looks juicy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and Mike Mike, the president of Kublacon, says it looks sexy. So <laughs> yeah, he like he does use that word quite a bit. <laughs> so how was it going to the cons? They were the game was pretty well received. You, you said you got a lot of feedback that you were able to incorporate into the, into you know, redesigning or incorporate into the game. Uh, was that difficult, you know, making the changes and, you know, cause like sometimes when you make something of your own, it's kind of when people give you feedback, you might, you might feel it as a criticism and it might hurt a little bit. Did you guys have that problem or were you, you were just thinking, Oh, this is just to make it better. I know, I know that's what it is, but it still might hurt a little bit saying, Oh yeah, that's, that, that's a good idea that that I didn't think of because I've had that problem, not a problem, but I had that happen to me in role-playing games where I'm running a game and I told the story on on one of our podcasts where the players came up with a better uh, a better uh, idea idea storyline than I came up with. Mm. So I decided to change my storyline you know, on the fly because <laughs> I go, because my ideas suck compared to that one. So, so how was that? How was taking feedback? I know it, you know, feedback is tough and sometimes criticism is, is tough to take, but obviously you guys took it in stride and, and made changes, but you know, did that, did that, was that hard at all doing the getting feedback from players? That's did you ex- see the good thing down the line? Uh, yeah, both. Uh, that's an excellent question because if you don't know sometimes if your idea is better or their idea is better. So but the fact that Jason, when he mentioned that we kind of butt heads along the whole way, it's kind of a yin and a yang. And if you, if you learn to understand that we have good ideas and they have good ideas, and it's a matter of just kind of flushing them out with testing. So we were up for anything. So if, if, a, if a player said, hey, let's try this, and if it was early on in the development, I said, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's do round two. And we would try their idea, and they themselves would see if it worked or not. Right. And we were definitely flexible in the beginning. Wow. That's I mean, pretty cool. Take the example of our original version with simultaneous play. Everyone would place a card simultaneous. Later on, we then went round uh, uh, turn by turn, and we found right. that people had more time to to look into that. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bristle up when people would suggest something just wacky. I would just say, "Hey, that's 
That's an interesting suggestion. I'll consider that. <laughs> so did you hear wacky things like that? I'm oh, sure yeah. they did. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone has their, their, their opinions about how to play a game. I mean, think about like your your most favorite games. Someone always wants to have some type of house rules. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the things that we would – how we would kind of diffuse the situation too if they had a kind of a wackier idea is, hey, look, once they get the game, they can play it any way they want to. <laughs> so <laughs> – that's right. You get a house rule the heck out of it. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like Monopoly, a... right? Everybody has their house rules on that. Exactly. Thing. There you go. And there was a lot more wacky ideas suggested around the 12.30, midnight, 1 o'clock time. <laughs> no way. No way. Oh, yeah. Guys, yeah, guys, I've got to pack it up. I mean, your suggestions are great, but I got to go. <laughs> so so how, how much did you guys play at the convention? I mean, were you guys up really late and up really early? I mean, there's the idea that you want to get out there and play and play and play. And but uh, that could be grueling too. The, you know, I can just imagine. Well, you know, I've been conditioned for it. Uh, for Ron, <laughs> it's a little bit different. I'm I'm a nurse by trade, so I I, I do night shifts and uh, twenty uh, you know, twelve hour uh, night shifts. So going twenty four hours was not a problem for me. But we were we were going on like eighteen hour days. Wow. And and you know, not with little food too because oh, yeah. I mean, it's like like hard hard to squeeze in food. Um, Gen Con was our best time where it was uh, back to back where it we had just solid things but we also had just about an hour break uh that was scheduled and you knew that it was there whereas the other conventions we had to just kind of like find people so we were always on on the move and uh trying to do things to to make it be as efficient as possible no i think it's great i i can't wait to see the Kickstarter. Saul will show it to me because he shows me all of them. Well, not mm. all of them. Well, not obviously, all of them. <laughs> not all of them. But um, I think that's great. I think it's coming out next week. Yeah. So we'll check it out. We'll definitely, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Well, Jolene already said she's gonna. You have one. You have one. One set sold at least. So you know. oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you that the the best time to play this game is between friends because it's a. F- <laughs> It's it's a it's a bluffing game where you're not going to be vindictive at the end. You you walk away congratulating people, but it's with a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Well, you know, we do we do got to remember sometimes, you know, with, my, with some of our 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 fellow players, they're very competitive and they're like you know, they can get kind of angry sometimes. Incredibly competitive. <laughs> yeah. Throw, so, throw your glasses at the table. No, I know, but you know, but we, we do play games to have fun and some a game like this that is not gonna you know, you're not gonna play five hours and you know get stabbed in the back like in, in <laughs> diplomacy or something like that. You know, and, and friendships, but you know, I think a, a nice, you know, game that can you play with friends and family, and relax, you know, especially yeah. family is I think is you know, will work good. And then, you know, I think uh you know, you have pro- pretty good feedback. You got a, you know, people talking about it. I think, you know, I think you, your prospects look pretty good. Well, thank you. And again, thank you so much for having us as well. We, we enjoy new perspectives that are happening uh, in the gaming industry. And we're so pleased with your guys' uh, perspective as well. Thanks. So thanks for joining us, Ron and Jason, uh, the creators of uh, Wizards Bluff, which is going to start, uh, or the Kickstarter is going to open on, October 15th. Uh, good mm-hmm. luck to you guys. Uh, we'll be looking at it and we'll be sharing it in our kick in our Facebook uh, pages and stuff and th- that we see and we have and everything else we do. 
you know, all the social media we were on. <laughs> and <laughs> our 43 <Facebook>. listeners. <laughs> yes. So good luck, guys. You know, you guys are super nice, nice. guys. Uh, I met both of you at KublaCon. You know, you're very gregarious. You're very easy to talk to. And, you know, I, I, I really wish the best for you guys and, and hope you. to see you, uh, you know, be successful in this endeavor. So this is okay. Gaming Perspectives. And thank you guys so much for coming on. Have a good day. And you too as well.